Hey, this is Jim. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I'm your host. You can find me at silentjim.com. That's where you can get all the links and any resource we talk about today, any, uh, any of the courses or projects or products or exciting content or anything else that we mentioned today. Hey, we'll stick all those links there. So if you're out running or driving or doing your thing, no need to take notes. Just remember silentjim.com. And I've got an exciting guest with us today. We're going to talk about wholesale. And I'll introduce you to our guest here in just a moment. But wholesale is one of those topics that we have seen some incredible results in our community. And there's a few leaders out there who have really emerged in the industry who know their stuff. And they're helping a lot of people discover wholesale selling opportunities on Amazon or on your own website or your Shopify store or wherever. But if you can tap into some of these resources where there's hot products that you don't have to go invent or create yourself, but you could tap into something that someone else has made, specifically through wholesale, man, it can be a gold mine. And the guys that probably have it zeroed in the best, these guys have done $22 million plus million themselves. They've taught a few thousand people at this point, and I'll get the exact numbers here in just a moment when I introduce our guest, but about half a billion dollars in business they've taught a few thousand people to do. And this is all wholesale strategy. And I've got my guest today, Dan Meters, his partner, Eric Lambert. They are the ones I'm talking about, of course. And we're just going to dive into this topic. And I want you to walk away from the show today, if you're listening, with a handful of very practical things that you can go start doing to explore this exciting arena of wholesale selling. Now, these guys have been around for a long time. They've been doing it right a long time. They built a reputation. You know, just a little inside scoop for the listener. You know, they tried to get on our radar for a while and we put them through the ringer because I want to only bring the best of the best content and experts, people who operate with a high degree of ethics and also can prove their results. And these guys meet the standard. So it's not just anyone we're bringing today. These are some guys that have proven their stuff to us over the years. And I just want to express as well that there are a couple of guys who... They have a similar heartbeat to a lot of listeners I know where they enjoy the freedom of an internet business and the, you know, a flexible lifestyle and being able to do what they want to do when they want to do it and be able to enjoy their families and have very flexible schedules for the people to work for and with them. They're just truly taking advantage of it. So I'm looking forward to learning today too. This is the first time I've interviewed Dan Meters and I'm going to turn the microphone over to him in just a moment. And uh, thank you for being with us today, Dan. Thanks for joining. And one last bit of announcement before I give you the microphone, buddy. Those of you who are listening today, this is one of those episodes that you've come to expect every once in a while from us where we actually did a video too. So if you want to see Dan and I talking to each other today, jump over to YouTube. There's a link in the show notes, silentgym.com. You'll see a link to YouTube. You go watch the show on YouTube. Most of our listeners are just listeners. But if you want to see the video, hey, that's where you can go and do that. So with those announcements out of the way and that bit of an introduction to Dan, who I'm looking forward to getting to know along with you, dear listeners, uh, Dan Meters. Take it away, buddy. Absolutely, brother. I'm super excited to be on here with you. And hopefully I can share some stuff that will help your help your audience, number one, potentially get started if they're not already. But if they already, already are selling, that give them some strategies to help them grow their business like, like we have. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, and you guys have certainly seen some tremendous results. That's what's put you on our radar around here. And, and I'm excited to learn from you too, man, because I know that you guys know your stuff. So and let's dive in. Uh, hopefully, I can give you guys some some really impactful stuff and uh, share exactly how we do business and, and some of the ways that we've we've grown within that model. For those of you guys who don't know, we sell via wholesale on Amazon, and what that entails is entails developing a relationship with a manufacturer or a brand owner of a product, 
and purchasing in wholesale quantity and then selling those products to retail customers on Amazon. Now, one of the things that this business model has allowed us to do is, is because one of the, the thing I, I truly love about wholesale is it's very process driven. It, within our model, every single thing we do, we're able to dial into a process. So over the course of time, what it's allowed me and Eric to do has, has allowed us to develop that free time, right? Like now we're able, we are able to have employees who run our entire business. Like in our Amazon business, on a day-to-day basis, we spend about five hours a week currently operating that multi-million dollar business. And it's because of processes and because of the fact that we're able to develop a team. And I know you talk about team and, and, and the value of your team all the time, Jim. So, but yeah, this model lends itself to that, to that strategy very well. Yeah, you've built a scalable model. It's a repeat. So if I'm hearing you correctly, and I'm pretty sure I understand this much about your business, you're constantly looking for new wholesalers. And then you've got a system that you take that wholesaler through to develop the partnership and relationship. And then it's just a, a, a rinse and repeat, reordering more when you need it kind of thing, right? I mean, it's not to oversimplify, but I know there's, there's some nuances in there, but isn't that it in a nutshell? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just finding a new account, onboarding those products, delivering value, and then doing it again turning it into a replicatable process. And I'm going to try to put on the uh, the thinking cap of our listeners here today because, you know, I, I've been in this world a little more than most and you've been in the wholesale arena a lot more than pretty much anybody. So I'm going to try to think of it from a vantage point of someone who's maybe brand new to all of this. Uh, what's the advantage, would you say, and, and we're going to try to stick to the scripts, but I'm going to bounce around a little bit too. What's the advantage you'd say to someone who's like, really dialed in on retail arbitrage, let's say, or maybe they've got their own private label product. You know, we teach a handful of strategies around here. Help me frame wholesale. Like where does it fall in the spectrum of how easy is it to find someone? You know, do I have to talk to 40 wholesalers before I find a win? Or is this, once you're dialed in, it's it's pretty automatic. You know, where does it fall in the spectrum of difficulty, I guess is what I'm asking. Uh, sure. Well, uh, you know, the, the models vary quite a bit. Like when you're talking about retail arbitrage, it's direct input output, right? So you go out there, you shop, you bring your products back and and then you sell them. But as soon as you sold that last one, you, you know, you have to do that whole process again. You're always hunting new products. Um, now, private label is a bit different where as you, you go create your brand, you find the manufacturer to build that product, then... You're able to sell that product, but there's a lot of you know the a lot of upfront cost. Like private label is a great model, but it has a lot of upfront cost in that you have to number one create the product, you have to generally import the product, although you can't have them built you know native to your country. But when you're that that importing expense is is fairly fairly large. But once you have the product on Amazon, you have to get traffic to it, which requires you to know more about advertising and things like that. So what I saw, you know, realistically where wholesale kind of fits in there is it's, it functions a lot like private label, right? Like once you have an account and you're working with a vendor, you're able to consistently restock those products. So unlike retail arbitrage, I'm not having to go out constantly and look for, you know, the same to replace income. But unlike private label, we don't have that huge front end expense. Like our products already have real demand. They're already getting traffic. So we're able to set up that relationship and immediately tap into the traffic. Now, you know, it's, it's not quite like a retail arbitrage in that, you know, it does take a little more work on the front end to find the right suppliers because, you know, can you find, anybody can find suppliers. I want to go ahead and, and say that, like literally anybody can find suppliers. And, and originally that was more of our model whenever we were newer in the space. We were uh, just trying to set up as many possible accounts as we could and then just, you know, just be able to order consistently. What we realized, and honestly, a lot of this was 
we took it to a new level because of, of some of the things I actually heard on your podcast in terms of how you, you believe in service. And we've always kind of shared that mindset. We like to help people. We like to work with folks to grow together. And that model in wholesale works incredibly well. And that's more or less what we've transitioned to. You know, we don't try to set up the same level of accounts anymore. We're not trying to set up a thousand accounts. Instead, what we do is we try to develop really good relationships where we serve the vendors, you know, with 10, 15 accounts. Give me an example. I think I know what you mean there. I'm pretty sure I could fill in the blank, but for the sake of our listener, what's the difference between just combing through, say, here's a report I ran on Google of 500 wholesalers, call them and find some hot products versus let's find five or 10 and build a relationship. What's the difference look like if we play those two models out, say six months or a year? Like you say, you've got a relationship with your wholesale vendors. What does that mean? Uh, For sure. I'll touch on that, but you actually hit on a really important point. And that was the original problem that we ran into when we were just setting up tons of accounts is whenever you're, you know, whenever it's a transactional relationship, like I give you this, you give me whatever you're supposed to, that's, that's the extent of the relationship, right? And your usefulness is only in your ability to give and receive exactly what you were trying to do, right? It's very contractual. Exactly. It is just a contractual relationship. Transactional, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And what we ran into is you're setting yourself up to compete on the one thing that I know I personally can't compete on. It's my worth is only valued based on the amount of money I'm willing to spend. Like if somebody's willing to spend more than me with a vendor in that type of relationship, they're more important. So what we saw is when we came into this business, we didn't have like a war chest of money. I didn't have a trust fund or anything like that. Like we were, we were bootstrapped and and forced to uh, really focus on cash flow to be able to pay ourselves and pay bills. So it just wasn't a great strategy. We started losing lots of accounts that we had had, uh, that we'd invested in and things like that, just because bigger sellers were able to come in and make better offers. I got you. They they would place a bigger bulk order and suddenly you're the little guy and... Exactly. You're put on a shelf. They ignore you now. And they're fulfilling the, the the guy with more cash. Yeah, I'm following you. Exactly. So uh, whenever we realized that, it was you know it, it really dictated kind of that change in strategy. And we were like, and instead of focusing on the products that we can carry and sell profitably, let's focus on how on the needs of the vendor first. Like put that first. And what that looks like is you know we we go look at their pages, we look for opportunity, and that's kind of the base level, right? As you you see that opportunity. Maybe they don't have great pictures. Maybe they don't have a great description. Uh, maybe their bullet points are weak. or all these little tiny things on Amazon that would help them get sales. But those are all superficial, right? So whenever we would reach out to those, those brands and we would say, hey, you know, we, we have some things here that we would love to work with you on and we feel like we can improve your sales. But more importantly, can you tell us some of the things that you guys are actually struggling with? And it's amazing how much people will talk to you whenever you, you, you phrase it in that way, right? Like they tell us that, you know, we have unauthorized sellers you know, our pricing's not consistent on Amazon and we get complaints from our uh, brick and mortar vendors all the time. We feel like we have counterfeits being sold on our listings and we don't know how to do it. And that's the thing you have to understand as an Amazon seller, we all take these things for granted, right? We all take knowing how to use Amazon, knowing how to report a seller, knowing, you know, the, the steps you would take to be able to correct some of those errors. We just take those for granted. And it's, these vendors don't know that. And, and frankly, they shouldn't be trying to learn it. Like their job is to be the best marketer for their product that they can be, not the best retailer on Amazon. Exactly. Exactly. And let me just let me just interject for just a moment, kind of tie into some of the themes and lessons folks have been hearing around here. In our community, our Facebook group, for example, one of the things that we, we point out to people all the time in our group is, hey, you know more about selling on Amazon than virtually every business owner or in this case, wholesaler 
that you'll ever encounter. Just by being a member of this group, hanging out and being exposed to these concepts, there's problems that are overwhelming to them that if you just bring that problem to this community and say, hey guys, I've got a vendor partner who's struggling with this. What ideas do you guys have? Let this 50,000 strong community of Facebook member, Amazon sellers, solve the problem for you. And you look like a genius. So you can bring a lot of value. And I love that you're not just looking for products that you can buy for five and sell for 20, because that relationship can be very fragile, tenuous. You can go away tomorrow. But if you're going in and saying, hey, it sounds to me like you've even found some of these guys on Amazon. They're already selling their own stuff on Amazon. And you find them, you say, hey, here's some things we could do to work with you to improve it. We'd love to help you improve and be that one go-to seller that helps you resolve all the problems you're having with your other sellers. Now their ears perk up. Is that right? Have you, have you experienced some of that? No, absolutely. It's, you know, whenever people, telling somebody you're going to help them make marginally more sales is not very exciting, right? For example, if I, if I said, Jim, you know, what body weight do you want to be at? You said 185 pounds. And I was like, well, I can't get you there, but I can get you to 199 that's not that exciting, right? It's not your goal. It's not where you're trying to land. I'm tracking with you. Yeah, although I'd like to gain about 10. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, you know, realistically, helping somebody with marginal improvement is not exciting to them. But being able to solve their problems is. So whenever we start talking to them about, you know, helping them actually solve problems, like the, learning who unauthorized sellers are, learning how to create and roll out a map agreement. And, you know, while that sounds really hard, it's not. Like it's, you know, these are all just process-based things that our employees handle on a day-to-day basis. But just the being able to rely on and have confidence that we'll be able to help them through that, of course, you're exactly right. Their ears perk up, they immediately take attention and, and start wanting to talk to you more. Yeah, they, let me help you solve some of those challenges that you're facing. Because it, it, again, this is review and many of the listeners will know this, but it's great to keep in mind as kind of a foundation, this whole conversation, uh, especially for those who are out there saying, well, you know, it's saturated. There's, you know, all the wholesalers have been approached, which those things aren't true. Or they're learning how to do it themselves. You know, there's no need for the middleman. We're the middleman. No, this is still not true. Keep in mind, only 10% of the transactions, retail transactions in the United States are online. 90% of all transactions are still offline. So if I'm the wholesaler slash manufacturer of a widget, 90% of my business isn't on the internet. For sure. 10% on the internet. Now that represents hundreds of billions and potentially massive opportunities for every listener to this podcast. But from the vantage point of a traditional wholesaler, they're still moving all kinds of products through the traditional channel. And if you can come in and say, hey, that little 10% piece over there that's really bugging you that you can't quite figure out and you got all these little pain in the butt Amazon sellers over there beating each other up, lowering prices on each other and ruining your reputation, I can solve that. That'll get their attention. If they can turn that piece and then focus on what they're good at, focus on that 90% piece again and keep their eye on the bigger prize. I, th- I would think they would love you. Have you experienced some of that? Oh, absolutely. It, you touched on it exactly. It is that whenever you go to these, whenever you go to these people and you're talking to them, being able to solve those problems, being able to be that, be that person, it is a world of difference. Like it does absolutely change the, that dynamic is whenever you go and you, you're able to offer actual value, right? And it's it's not just the superficial stuff. It's mm-hmm. being able to actually solve their problems. And, and a lot of the time, you know, this is something that we run into within our community is people get that the feeling of, I can't do it. You touched on it earlier with, you know, it literally you have all the resources in the world to be able to do this. And, and, you know, whenever I'm talking to vendors, I don't always know how to do something. I just know that I can rely on my team or, or our, inside the community and, and get answers. Right. And that's all right. I promise them. 
one of my favorite phrases I, I teach people and I drill it into and, they've, and listeners to this podcast have heard me say this probably a good handful of times by now, but my pitch isn't, hey, I'm the guy that knows everything. I'm going to solve your problems. I don't even use that myself. Reason number one is it sounds like you're kind of full of yourself. Like even if you did have all the answers, don't say it. <laughs> it's like, come on, really? Who do you think you are? But the phrase I like to use is I'm a part of a community of tens of thousands of online sellers. We live, eat, breathe, sleep, creative solutions, using the internet to sell more stuff. And I see some opportunity in your products. Can we have a discussion? That's all you got to say. And maybe not word for word, but the general theme of that. And one of the things I'd like, I'd like to put us both on the hot seat for just a second, Dan. Let's just brainstorm. Like, What are some of those things? What are some of those issues, some of those challenges that these wholesalers... And I'll lump manufacturers in there too, because there's mom and pop manufacturers. It's kind of the same thing where you're going to be able to solve some of the problems, the challenges that they're facing right now. And they're thinking, man, do I got to go hire somebody for 80 grand a year really just to do these things? And you're like, no, for free. I will be a commission-only sales rep and solve all these problems. What are some of those things that we can solve? Let's just bullet store. I mean, I'm dropping the bomb on both of us right now, but I think we can come up with a fairly decent list of the things that we can do almost in our sleep. Really? Like the, the first one, honestly, that we encounter almost all the time is issues with their supply chain. And there's a couple of different things they have to do here. And they're all really simple, right? And it's number one, they need to roll out a map agreement. If they don't have a map, if they do not have a map agreement, they need to create one and they need to roll it out because without expectation, there are no rules. Minimum advertised price. That's if you're going to buy our stuff, here's the minimum advertised price we'll allow, or we're not going to let you buy our stuff anymore, Mr. Reseller, Mr. Third-Party Seller on Amazon. We're all going to play minimum advertised price. Are you kicked out? Right. A lot of these guys don't even have that. Beautiful. Great example. And bullet points in your Amazon listing. The quality of the picture. These are a couple that you already pointed out, right? Multiple platforms. Yep. Not just about Amazon. Amazon is half of all internet transactions, which is insane. But the other half are shared by, you know, eBay or maybe it's an Etsy type product. You know, it's it's an artsy type product. All these other platforms, you can get on. You're not intimidated by these other platforms. Nope. They are. What what else pops in your mind? Another thing is being able to actually put a review strategy in place. Like products depend on reviews, and you know, just having an email sequence on after somebody buys an order that says, "Hey, thanks for buying it. If you like our products, definitely give us a review." You got to be careful about how you do that. But as long as you're following POS, that helps people get reviews and that they want reviews for their products. Yeah, we, we just recorded a great episode. Within a few episodes of this one, within two or three of either direction, look for it. It's, it's an episode talking about that exact topic, Dan, where I sat down with Jeff Cohen, Seller Labs, and we went through and discussed what you can and can't do and what tools you could use. So just listening to that podcast episode makes you intelligent enough to talk to anyone about this topic. Because the true asset, as you know, Dan, and, and as any those of us who are internet marketers, the true asset isn't that product that they own. It's the customer list of people that can't wait to do business with them again. And yes, there are creative ways without violating Amazon's policy. And you got to walk a, th- a thin line sometimes on some of it, but there's ways to do that. And you don't have to just sell on Amazon, but that customer list that you can go back to and you can run promotions and sales. I'd say 98% of everybody out there that has a product that could be growing an email list or a customer follow-up list, maybe even on Facebook Messenger or Facebook group, whatever, they're not doing it. They're just not. For what it's worth, that's actually a huge value that you just touched on there is being able to help them cultivate that list if they don't know how. Like that can be through uh, some sort of, of, uh, you know, package inserts that can be through anything, anything that would help them cultivate a customer list. 
would be a very, very valuable tool to any of these, any of these brands and wholesalers. So that's, that's massive. And I think we could we could brainstorm an even an even bigger list. And as the throughout this podcast, if the other things pop in your head, it, mention them. We'll kind of drop them randomly because I I can just see some people kind of their wheels are turning right now. Listen, it's like wow, I, I can bring a lot of value to these guys. And no, you don't have to go learn all these skills. And no, I'm pretty sure Dan would agree with me on this. You don't go in day one guns blazing and say, "Here's the 30 things I'm going to do for you if you let me sell your product." No, it's a relationship. It's slow over time. Yep. Don't try to roll all these things out at once. You may not even have a winning product. Wait till you know that you've got a winning product. Test small. You know, my advice would be, and Dan, I'd like to hear what your advice is on this. If you're considering a new wholesaler and you might work with them, before you even call them, just buy a few of the products and try to flip them. See what they sell for. If they're already on Amazon, you know, do your homework. Check it out a little bit. Go in nice and slow, low risks. Test it out, right? And then let that momentum carry you. And as you start to see the sales numbers going up and you know there's other people noticing, that's when you start bringing more value to protect that relationship. Would you agree with that strategy? A hundred percent. We definitely utilize testing. We don't believe in going all out in the beginning because it, it, it is unproven. And there's multiple unproven things about it, right? And it's number one, the product. Like You need to see how the product does. Number two, the relationship. Maybe this, like for us, we, what we've really learned is I don't need every wholesale account on Amazon. I literally just need the ones, uh, the, the folks that I can work with. If, I can, if you give me people I can work with, we can grow together and achieve some really awesome stuff. As far as testing, it's, it's not just testing your product. It's also testing your supplier to see if it's somebody that you feel like you can be aligned with. Right, right. It's just a handful. So I, I think we'd both be in agreement that done right, if you're adding one truly valuable wholesaler with a good solid relationship, one per quarter, let's say, if you're at a pretty good pace versus the strategy that would say, hey, go out there and burn through this list of 500 leads and you better come back with you know, 50 new products from 50 new supply, that churn and burn, man, I, it, because it, again, relationships, 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 people hear it on this show all the time, slow and steady, take your time, build that relationship, grow together with that company. And then when another reseller comes and knocks on their door and says, hey, I want to sell your stuff. I can do better than that other guy. I want to be a seller. Shit. Like, no, we, we've got that all handled. We've got that covered. Uh, we've seen it. You know, the, the story even comes to mind right now that Dan, I think is, you'll enjoy this if you hadn't heard it. But uh, I'm reminded of Barrington in our community. He lives in Jamaica, Barrington McIntosh. And, and he just started grabbing some coffee off store shelves and selling it on Amazon. And it went well. So the local manufacturer, he went to them and just started buying cases. And he wasn't telling them what he was doing. He was just selling it. I mean, that's always a viable option. Just go buy it and flip it, sell it. You don't need anyone's permission. If it's not on Amazon yet, go grab it, sell it on Amazon. And that's what he was doing. And so one day, they, the coffee manufacturer called him and he was panicked. It's like, oh no, they're going to try to take this from me. They're going to find out what I'm doing because all I'm really doing is slapping my own labels on it and sending it to Amazon, right? It, in his mind, that's all he was doing. Sure. And I know there's a lot of other nuanced stuff going on there. But in his mind, he's like, they're going to want to slap their own labels on it and take this from me. Well, that's not what they wanted to do at all. They wanted to come in and thank him and congratulate him and say, what can we do to help you and support you? Will you please manage that piece of our business so we don't have to worry about it? Because we don't, we don't want to learn Amazon. We don't want to learn online marketing and reputation management, which is another one you can throw on your list. Manage the reputation. When you get negative feedback on any platform... now. You don't need to tell them. All you're doing really is setting up a, a Google notification. Hey, anytime this name pops up anywhere online, I want to know about it. I want an email. And Google will do that for you for free. Google notification. So anyone anywhere says anything negative about you, I'm on top of it that day with a plan. 
Do you have anyone on your staff doing that right now? They probably don't, right? So I just gave him that list. Like, here's all the things that you can do. And he went in armed with that list. He didn't even need it. They weren't interested in taking that business from him. They just wanted to meet the guy who was selling so much of their product and and ask, hey, how can we help and support you? And that's the typical response you're going to get. No, I mean, exactly. We, the, all the suppliers that we currently work with know exactly how we sell their product. We are very, very transparent about what we're doing. We follow up with monthly reports, explaining all of the things that we actually do. And we understand that this gives them the information that would invalidate us. But it's hard to have a successful partnership without transparency. And we, by including them in that process, we feel like that enhances the relationship and makes them want to work with us more. So like since we've started this process of, of you know, originally we had a ton of accounts and we've kind of whittled down to our best partnerships, our number one, our profit has went up significantly. And it's because, you know, we're, we, we're getting, number one, we're getting better prices. Number two, we're uh, exclusive on, on the vast majority of products that we carry now. And it's just because we've continued to deliver value time and time again. But you get in these situations, right? And it's, you just have to be transparent. You, and you have to realize that if they're not transparent back, or if it is that person that would take that account from you, that it's not the right partner. At the end of the day, you don't need every partner in the world. You just have to have a few of the right ones and you can have an incredibly uh, successful and stress-free business. Like that was the thing that we had originally is, you know, we were doing a lot, we were doing a lot of sales and, but it was, it was stressful. We didn't have the good relationships with our manufacturers. We were always having to, to jockey back and forth with other sellers and, and trying, you know, dropping prices. And it was so stressful. Whereas now it's all growth. Like it's all growth. It reminds me a lot, Dan, of the, the guy we interviewed not too long ago on this show that was doing tens of millions of dollars drop shipping. Yep. It couldn't stand it. Could not stand the model. Because talk about a zero relationship. I mean, he's just combing through tens of thousands of items off of major platforms looking for that three to five points of margin so he can get in and he knows the competitors are right behind him and they're going to come in and beat him and he's going to have to get out and just churning and burning through. So we have pretty much pounded, hopefully, listeners, this show, don't go the dropshipping route. And this wholesaling model can start to feel that way. If you're just churning and burning through lists of products and wholesalers and, and treating them like a you know, flip-through catalog without the relationship piece, that's where you'll end up with this model. It's, it's funny because we call that relationship wholesale arbitrage because it's the same relationship as retail arbitrage. You're just flipping through catalogs, looking for your product. The only difference is you're doing it with a wholesaler as opposed to in Walmart. Right. Like it, it really is. And you're leaving so much opportunity on the table. You're much better off. I love that you just said you guys pared it down. I would guess there was kind of like an 80-20 wave swept through. And you're like, you know what? This 80% over here is only producing 20% of our income let's look at this 20% of our relationships that are producing 80% of our income and drill down on those guys. That's a smart business move for anyone and any business. I don't care if you're a lawyer, accountant, anyone. From time to time, you got to do that 80-20 and just go, you know what? It's kind of time to get rid of the, the 80, raise our prices, focus on the 20 and serve them well. And a lot of businesses could benefit from that strategy. I want to hit you with another question out of the blue, man. You're good at this stuff. You've done this You've established more wholesale relationships than I have. So let's say I'm green. I've done some retail arbitrage. I've, I've toyed around. I've sold some items. My business is okay. I, I'm not intimidated by selling on Amazon anymore. But where do I go to find these wholesale 
relationships. Like, what are some few sources that you might drop on me? Like, hey, go start researching here. And when I do find one and I pick up the phone, who am I asking for and what am I saying? Or who am I sending that email to? Like, let's get some real, like, rubber meets the road advice going here. Sure. And this is probably going to shock you because it's, you know, I think a lot of people try to make business models incredibly complicated. Like for no good reason. <laughs> right. It just makes you sound smart. The simple 42-step <laughs> process, right? I've actually heard that before. It's like, you know, I got a simple 26-step. Yeah. It's like, no, it's not simple if it's 26 steps. Right. But yeah, for, for us, it, it is. We, we boiled it down to as simple as possible. We exclusively look for products on Amazon. Like we look for products that are selling well, aren't carried by Amazon, and have multiple sellers. And, and, and there's a few reasons for that. Number one, we want to see that they have established volume. Like I hate the idea of getting on there and creating volume. Like it's, you know, it, 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 that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of expense if I'm sitting there trying to run ads and, and really establish a listing. Now, granted, once you get it established, it's great, but you don't want to be on the front side of that and then have other sellers piggyback off your hard work. You know, we do like established products and I don't want to compete with Amazon. And it's not that I don't think I could. Like we've definitely carried products with Amazon and been able to, and been able to win those fights, but it's, why? Why am I trying to win that fight? Like, there's so many other opportunities out there that are just significantly easier. But more importantly, like when I'm on a listing with Amazon, Amazon retail locks the listing to changes and it makes it really, really, really hard to make changes. So if my goal is adding value, Amazon prevents me from doing that. So it's, it's not avoiding competition. It's preventing me from doing my job, which is adding value. And then the third one that has multiple sellers, like I don't want to jump in to on private label sellers products. So like you got to look at what those products were, you know, look, Brett, for example, I know he, he crushes it in private label, but like when Brett was creating those items, he was creating those items with the intention of selling them. And it's, you know, I just don't feel like we align there. And I would rather let Brett do a great job selling his products and me focus on the brands that actually can use my help. Understood. And I love it. It, it feels to me like this is the low hanging fruit approach to this model. It basically finds stuff where there's a lot of sellers selling a lot of product. I mean, those listings are all over the place. Yep. That's step one. Exactly. And it's go in, establish that relationship. But once you establish that relationship, that's where the real work starts, right? Finding accounts and finding products is really easy. But the real work starts in developing that relationship. And and all that is, is number one, you set expectations. Like these are the things I'm going to help you guys accomplish immediately. And you do it. Like if there's anything you want to do to be successful in your business, it's tell somebody you're going to do something and then actually follow through because it's a rarity. Like very few people follow through with what they're going to say. So if you, if you do that, if you, you know, establish that account, deliver, deliver value initially, and then it's just about growing with their needs, right? Like once you've got, got that dialogue and they're like, wow, you know, this, this gym guy, he, he really is. He's helped us every time he said he's going to, he's, he's a great resource. That's how that relationship starts to develop. You don't have to hit it. Like, a lot of folks that we talk to always try to go immediately after an exclusive. And it's like, you don't have to do that. You just continue to show value until they want you as an exclusive. Like the vast majority of exclusive accounts that we have right now, probably in the 80% plus range are all asked us if we would want to be the exclusive seller. And it's just because of the value that we are continually delivering. That's beautiful. Yeah. A couple points jumped to mind while you're talking us through the process. And I, I love it. I mean, any of us can go, look on Amazon and find hot selling products with a bunch of Amazon sellers selling it, that Amazon isn't one of those sellers, right? And on that point, Amazon is doing less and less of that activity. 
I have it on firsthand information from very reliable sources and firsthand observations as well that they're moving away from that. I mean, Jeff Bezos himself said in the most recent report to investors, hey, third-party sellers are kicking our butt and we're going to let them because they're better at selling stuff than we are, right? So they're moving away from... Now, some people, when they hear me say that, they're like, they, their first response is, well, Amazon's still selling on one of my listings. Like, they didn't say they're going to stop selling everything. They're not scaling up that model. They're scaling it down. See, over time, you're going to see them less and less going in, being the beast in the room. Because one of the things they're observing too is like you just said, Dan, you're not afraid of Amazon, except it kind of locks the listing down. But you're not afraid of competing with them because you can be so much more personally invested and involved. Amazon can't help that retailer, manufacturer, wholesaler, can't help them beat their competitor. You can right? I mean, that right there beats Amazon. You're coming in saying, hey, you know what? Amazon's going to serve all your competitors equally. They're not going to help you win. I'm here to help you win, right? Amazon can't make that offer. So instantly, you're better. Amazon's beginning to recognize that and stepping away and letting the free market make some of these decisions instead of going in like what they've done at times is, you know, they'll go in and let's say you've got a hot selling, this is an example from one of our students, a hot selling coffee, and they go in and just buy a ton of it. Well, in that agreement is, hey, if this doesn't sell as fast as we were hoping, we're going to mark the price down to nothing and get rid of it. And he didn't read that fine print. He didn't notice it. And he's like, what are they doing? They're destroying my price. I've got all my retailers out there. You know, my brick and mortar retailers are complaining that the price is half on Amazon and what, you know, and I'm losing money now. So these manufacturers don't like working with Amazon. So we have all the advantages on our side. So that's one point I wanted to make just in case anyone's out there thinking, oh man, Amazon does this too. No, you have all the advantages and the advantages are scaling more in our favor all the time. And the other thing you mentioned too, it just popped in my head. We are building our list of things that we can do that add value that would make them want us to be an exclusive service provider to these wholesalers, manufacturers, whoever it is. Bundles and multi-packs. Talk about that for a minute. You guys do that for any of your customers? Oh yeah, absolutely. And it was it's kind of funny. One of the one of the products that we started carrying and, and we talked to them about it. Whenever we go approach a tradition or go approach account, like we used to just kind of fire a thousand emails and and you know just see what see what happened when the dust settles. But our strategy now is is we fire significantly less emails, but we do a lot more front end research. And it was it's so we can go in and understand some of the value that we can add straight away. I think it's our our second second largest account at this point. We, when we approached them initially, they were like, yeah, you know, man, we're, we're really not accepting any other Amazon sellers. We've kind of had our fill. And we started talking to them about the, you know, some of the opportunity they were missing. Like one of their, they were a brand with a lot of different flavors, but they weren't selling any bundles or multi-packs. So it was all, you know, uh, teriyaki flavor and lemon pepper flavor. And it, it's a beef jerky brand. So whenever we were we were talking, is like you know you guys are really missing a lot of the market. Like, what are your top six flavors or top eight flavors? And they're like, well, we got. How about this? Like we can we could theoretically give you a, a twelve pack of our top twelve flavors. And it's like, yeah, that's fantastic. So we that was what we did. We we initially bundled that product. Like we just order and break them down and, and rebundle it. And that was the only listing they would let us sell on. Within three months, it was by far the most profitable listing, and we were outselling literally every other seller. Exactly. I mean, it, and there isn't anyone listening to this episode right now who couldn't have done exactly what you did. And I'll even take it a step further. Even if you haven't sold anything on Amazon yourself yet, 
just the concept. Oh, yeah. Dan just shared with us, you look at a hot selling product, you make the observation, wow, they're not doing any bundles or multi-packs. Well, what's a multi-pack? It's just like, you know, six of the same item shrink wrapped together, you know, and, and you bump the margin up a little bit because most shoppers on Amazon aren't doing the math. Like, what's this cost per unit? They'll pay more per unit if you wrap them together and put them in a bundle of six. Yep. You know, it's kind of like when you go to Costco or, or Sam's Club, you know, and you think, oh man, I'm going to get a steal on this, you know, eight gallon drum of baked beans. And you do the math and like, wait, I just paid the exact same per bean <laughs> as if I bought the little cans. You got to take your calculator with you. Well, most Amazon shoppers and buyers, they're not doing the math when they shop on Amazon, they'll pay more, higher margin for multi-packs, for bundles. And if you just are aware of that fact and take advantage of it and expose that fact to a manufacturer wholesaler, or just do it on your own, then go back, take the proof. Because one thing you could have done, Dan, you actually did this with their permission and cooperation. What you could have done is just gone out and bought the stuff and bundled it and put it up for sale, right? Now, you might've got a letter from them. You could have said, hey, 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 but before you, before you shut me down, look how well this is selling. Right. Let me do this for you and with you. You don't have to go ask permission. You can go buy it and sell it, right? It just go experiment with this. Bundles are powerful. And the, the beauty of Amazon too, unlike eBay, is you know if there's 60 sellers, let's say the, the teriyaki beef jerky stick, and there's 60 Amazon sellers selling that, they're all on one listing. Unlike eBay, where they'd be in 60 different listings. So if you're the guy with a bundle, you're on page eight. Well, on Amazon, if you're the only bundle, you're the second listing right below the people who are selling the individual. Here's the bundle number right there on the first page of results, this bundle. And you're the one that came up with the idea. Now, if you can like, that's the power of bundles is you can get ranked very high, very quickly using their keywords. And most manufacturers haven't even thought of that. Exactly. And, and that's a, a massive tip right there you just gave out is, you know, whenever you are bundling products, you're able to utilize keywords from every product within the bundle. So that that, that really expands out what, you know, the, the customers that you can attract with those keywords. That was one of the things that we leveraged to be able to create that really, really successful bundle is we were able to leverage, you know, their, their, their brand name, as well as all the other flavors that were already doing well within those bundles. And it, it really did. It just pushed a lot of traffic our way. And we, we just dropped an, another bullet point for that list that we've been making yep. for the last few minutes of the value you can bring to these manufacturers that they can't get elsewhere. You understand keywords. You understand the power of keywords. And even if you don't, listener, start saying you do because we'll teach you. It's not complicated. The power of using the right keywords, specifically in your title, is what we've learned. Uh, proper keyword titles is, is where it's at, man. You put the right keywords in there, it can change a listing in a heartbeat. And you understand that. So that's another thing that you can bring of value. Well, hey, man, we, we've got to start wrapping this up for a couple of reasons. One is my daughter's got horse lessons. And <laughs> you know that's a priority. Oh, yeah. And the other is, you know, this, the episode's getting kind of long, but we don't want to leave people hanging. I know you've got, you know, I'd like to invite you just to, to continue this conversation maybe get you and Eric and let's just get you guys on a webinar or something and give people a link. They can go jump in and hang out with you guys for a while and just continue this conversation. And for those that want to dive deep on this topic, uh, you up for that? Absolutely. Uh, I would love to do a webinar and then be able to share some of this stuff, like be able to show people actually, you know, I understand, I understand that, that a lot of people really do struggle with the fact that I can't do this. Like it's, it's that imposter syndrome, right? It's like, you know, it, it sounds easy, but I, I don't think I could do it. I think a webinar would be fantastic where we could literally get on there, show our model, show how it works, show finding how we find products 
and those types of conversations that we're initiating with brands, because I, you know, really it is not very hard. It's something that every single can do. So yeah, absolutely. There's going to be a link in the show notes. If you go to silentgym.com and look at this podcast episode number in the show notes, you'll see a link. If you want to jot it down, I think we'll make it silentgym.com slash wholesale. If you go there, we'll have within a short time of this episode being produced, because obviously you're not listening. If you're consuming this content, it's already been recorded. At whatever point we publish this live, within a few days of that, we'll have a webinar, we'll have a date, and you can jump in there and join Dan and Eric live. But never fear if you're listening to this a few weeks or a few months after we publish this episode, hey, we're going to leave the recording up there for you too. Is that cool, Dan? Just so you can get in there with Eric and Dan, hang out and listen to them talk about their business. I mean, these guys have sold $22 million of product using the strategies that we've talked about today. They've helped their students, a few thousand of them, sell a half billion using these strategies. This isn't like some idea Dan brainstormed up last night to make an interesting podcast. And this is what these guys do. So we partner with the best of the best around here. If you want to hang out with those guys for a little bit, hear their ideas on how to build out this wholesale system that they have and automate it to the degree that they have, man, it's, it'd be a time well spent to go check that out. So the, the link again, silentgym.com slash wholesale. Go hang out with Dan and Eric and, and they can dive deeper on this if you're interested. But hey, what, how else do you want to uh, help land this plane, Dan? What else? What other tips? I want people to be able to walk away from this episode today and not feel like, oh, I got to go watch a webinar to do this. No, you, you definitely don't. Start right now. Like get on amazon.com and do what? Actually, just some actionable tips that people can use and get started immediately. The number one is serve first. Like whenever you try to establish relationships, don't go at it from the mindset of, I'm, I, you know, I have to make money or something like that. Look for ways to lead with value. Look for ways that you can help them first, and that will help you establish better relationships, which will make you much more profitable in the long term. Another tip for anybody that's looking into wholesale, if you can't build a relationship with a brand, it's not worth pursuing. And that was something that we got ourselves into initially as we were just trying to flip products. And, you know, that's what I said is it's wholesale arbitrage. But if you if you can't build a relationship with them, it's not worth pursuing. You'll eventually lose that account. You will eventually, and you're just another number. So what we do to do that is we avoid products, uh, brand name products. Like if you've seen that name, like um, an example would be uh, Nike shoes. They're too big for you. You can't develop a personal relationship with Nike shoes, with Nike. You know, that's not the customer I can help. I can't help Nike's bottom line, but focus on the people you can help. And those are tend to be small niche-based businesses. The next thing I would tell people is, and this one sounds strange, but let opportunity guide your decisions, not fear. Mm, That's good. And that is, you don't have to be successful every time out. You can't be afraid of having people tell you no. Like the fact, you know, for us, acceptance rates, because, you know, I'm not trying to establish relationships with just anybody. I try to establish close relationships with small manufacturers and cultivate those over time. But I get turned down 90 to 95% of the time. Like when we reach out to brands, they don't end up working with us 90 to 95% of the time. And we still run a multi-million dollar business. And it's, you don't have to be successful. You just have to find. That's good to know. And on that point, Dan, one of the things about the listeners may have heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. We live in the best time in human history to test small, to lose fast, to fail constantly because it costs you virtually nothing to do so. Why not? 
Why not get on Amazon.com right now, type in a few random keywords and just see what listings come up and look for a product that's a hot seller. It's got a lot of Amazon sellers trying to sell it. Contact that manufacturer. With, with the bullet point list that we just gave you, say, hey, I see, use that phrase that I gave you guys about 15 minutes ago and just fire it over to them in an email. See what happens. Well, where did I get the email, Jim? Now, come on, you can use Google, find the company, find a contact at that company in the marketing department or in the sales department. And if you can't get over those little hurdles, you're not going to be able to do this. You've got to get in there and do a little bit of homework. But any package, any product you buy, you pick up the product, you hold it in front of you, like, oh, manufactured by these guys. You know, you call them up, hey, who are some of your wholesalers? They'll tell you. I mean, this stuff isn't rocket science, guys. No, it's, it's easy enough that two dudes from Kentucky figured it out. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> all Kentucky. I got good Kentucky jokes, man. We don't have time. I'm an Indiana guy. So, you know, I got the oh, Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the last thing I would leave people with is uh, just embrace being yourself. Like, you know, for it's okay to be the small guy. Like when we approach brands, that's, that's part of our biggest selling point is that, that originally we were terrified of being small, right? Well, you know, we're not e-tails, we're not River Colony trading, these guys who do hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars per year on Amazon. But that's our selling point is when we go to people, I tell them like, yeah, you can work with those guys and, and you're just another number. Like you're going to have a rep who really doesn't care. You're just one of the accounts that he deals with. But when you deal with us, you, here's my personal cell phone. I'm literally the owner of the company. Like you can call me at midnight and tell me something's wrong and I'll do my best to help you fix it. And that's what they buy into is they don't, they don't buy all of my vast resources. They buy the fact that I'm willing to help. And that's, that's something that literally every single one of your listeners can do is they can just be themselves and follow through. It being small and flexible and inexperienced is actually a, a benefit. It's an advantage because like for all the reasons that you just said, man, that's great. Man, that's a tremendous way to end this episode too, Dan. I think with some very actionable tips. I think this is one of those episodes that uh, two things, people are going to want to share this and you're going to want to listen to it again a second time because there were some golden nuggets. Now, if Dan and I had worked for a couple hours to put out an outline, we maybe could have delivered it a little smoother with all of our bullet points in order or whatever. But man, the content and the gold in this episode as we just kind of brainstormed through this, I think was invaluable for folks. So... Uh, I think I'm going to wrap it up there, Dan, if that's cool with you, man. Appreciate you being here and you're going to come back sometime, right? Yeah, absolutely. If, if you guys are hearing this, definitely. And you get a chance to check out the live webinar we, that we're going to do with Jim. And if not, check out the replay because it'll be loaded with actionable things to help you guys get started. Beautiful. Silentgym.com slash wholesale is the link they're going to need if they want to check that out. Catch us live if you're listening to this episode pretty soon after it came out, which is the best way to listen to this show, by the way. I, I like to remind the listeners, hey, when the new episodes come out, listen to them within a few days. That's the best way. And then catch up on the old episodes over time as you have time. But always catch the new ones when they come out because from time to time, there'll be something in there that is time sensitive, such as tickets just went on sale for theprovenconference.com conference. Tickets are on sale. They're not sold out yet by the time this episode publishes. Jump in there, join us in September and come to our live event. But I'm going to wrap it up here and just say uh, thanks to the listeners today who have joined us and spent some time with us. We're here. Send me an email. If you go to silentgym.com, you can contact us. I read all the incoming email, the suggestions, the complaints, the, the praise, the accolades, and the people who say, hey, you should do things better. Here's some ideas. I love it. I love all the, the input from the listeners and our audience is sure growing and we sure appreciate you spreading the word. But I'm going to sign off here. God bless all the business building warriors out there hanging out with us today. Thanks to our guest, Dan, and his partner, Eric, for making some time. And do go check out that link, silentgym.com slash wholesale for the 
for the free content, free training webinar on the topic of wholesale, diving deeper into the stuff that Dan shared today. All right, this is Jim signing off. We'll do this again real soon. Thanks for checking out Silent Sales Machine Radio. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.